You're listening to the teaching ministry of Anchor Church. We exist to connect each person to Jesus, His Word, and His mission. We hope this message encourages you in your faith and guides you closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at anchorchurchcsra.com. Thank you for joining us today. May this message draw you closer to God. We're going to spend a couple weeks, really it's kind of a big mega sermon. Think of it in two parts. Tonight is examining what church hurt is, what church hurt isn't, what we're really dealing with, what has happened, what hasn't happened, and what we hope will happen. And really that word hope is it. I want to drive home the hope that's available tonight in the Lord Jesus for our uh, church herd. And so there are three different aspects we're going to look at. Ready? If you're a note taker, you're going to love this, all right? The, the first one is the scope of our hurt, and then we're going to look at the depth of our hurt, and then we're going to talk about the hope of our hurt. So that's where I'm going, uh, right out the gate. And I want to uh, just invite you guys to uh, just find this somewhere near you. Some, there, there are these little things everywhere. What are we, what are we holding here, church? A Band-Aid, yeah, this is a bandage. And you guys have probably heard this colloquial phrase at some point. Well, I just, I don't wanna just put a Band-Aid on it, okay? And what do we mean by that? That we're doing anything valuable? No, we're, we're, if we put just a Band-Aid on it, we're not really fixing the problem. We're just sticking a bandage on it and then hoping that everything else is gonna go away. But I wanna challenge that a little bit because while we may say that and we may use that in our culture to communicate that, you know, Band-Aids are really important. Uh, They should pay me for talking about this tonight because I'm about to make Band-Aids look really good, all right? And yeah, I grew up in a generation where I was coming home in every day from skating, from skateboarding, from jumping ramps, lighting things on fire, all sorts of fun things. And I had a a new wound just about every day. I have scars all over my body. Some of y'all grew up like that. Hey, just rub some dirt in it. It's fine. You don't need a Band-Aid. My boys come in sometimes like that today. They're like, my knee's bleeding. I'm like, great, you're alive. Awesome. And you're great. Don't, don't judge me too hard on that. If it's, if it's a real wound, we'd, we'd deal with it. But, you know, in general, we're just like, ah, you're good. But you know what a Band-Aid is really for? It is, for number one, it protects the wound. It's a protection. It protects it from what? Infection, bacteria, nasty stuff you don't want to get in the wound. And so here's what I want you to, to really cling to tonight as we talk about church hurt. And what I want to provide is a band-aid of sorts, but not in the negative sense like we opened up with, we just want to put a band-aid on it and move on. No, we really do want to find the Lord and and, and his holy band-aid for us, his bandage, and only really he can bandage a wound like he can. And here's what a band-aid is really intended to do. It's so that the healing process is less disturbed. And that's what we want to find in our church church is how can we eliminate anything in our life, anything that the enemy would throw at us that would disturb the healing process of church hurt. Now, what are we talking about with church hurt? Well, we're talking about, I mean, the, the word kind of implies itself. It's, I mean, if you have been around the church for any period of time, chances are you have been hurt. Your feelings have been hurt. You've had some conflict. Um, maybe, uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna look at a wide variety of things together, but that's what we mean, simply that, that through being involved with the local church, that you have been hurt, that there's a wound 
there. Either it is still present, or maybe some past wounds have been dealt with, or maybe there's some wounds right now that that you've been ignoring for quite some time, but it's showing up in your life and you keep having to reface it. And what I hope and pray is over the over tonight and next week that we can that we can deal with some of those wounds. And I'm not saying that whatever happened, because because here's like a disclaimer up front. I don't know everyone's particular situation. I don't know all that you've been through. I don't know all that was involved. I'm not claiming to. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna preach the word of God. And the word of God is two things. It's timely. That means at just the right time in your life, God speaks through his word. And it's timeless, which means that even though it was written a long time ago, the Old Testament a really long time ago, and then the New Testament a little more recently, but it's still thousands of years ago, it is still very relevant in your life. So it's both timeless and timely. And I want to just speak the word of God into these various situations, and I want to allow some healing to take place. And so that's where we're going. So the scope of our hurt. So let's dive in and let's talk about what church hurt isn't. Let's actually cover that first. We're going to get to what it is, but what, what is it not? Well, we're not talking about being held accountable, okay? How many of you guys just love it when someone tells you a hard truth, when like you've messed up and someone sits down with you and shares a hard truth and you feel the massive weight of conviction? Does anybody just think that's so much fun? No, it's not fun at all. In fact, it's super humbling. And while it's not lollipops and candy canes, we know from God's word that it's very biblical and that's God's plan for us, that we would have people in our life that love us enough to say, hey, I know you want to live this way. And while neither one of us are perfect, here's a pattern that I picked up on. I see this in your life and I'm not coming at you. I'm on your team. And here's some things I've noticed. And, what, and why I'm bringing this up is because I want to help you in any way I can to honor God in the different ways of your life. Like that's how accountability is supposed to work. Does it always work that way? No, some, sometimes the tone's off. Sometimes what is said is off. Sometimes emotions get in the way. Okay, so it can get really messy, but church hurt is not, is not biblical accountability. And what happens sometimes is people will classify just simply someone holds you accountable and it'll mess you up and get, get mad and you leave the church and you go over here. You're like, yeah, I was hurt over there in that church and they're messed up. It's like, no, they just held you accountable. They did what the Bible said and you didn't like it. And that happens a lot. Church hurt is not just someone that you disagreed with. Are we gonna have disagreements within the body of Christ? The answer is yes. It's not a trick question, absolutely. We're going to not see things the same way. Sometimes we're gonna have these uh, holy uh, agree to disagree moments in small groups. Someone's gonna be saying one thing from one angle, another thing from another angle. Okay, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on that. Or grab a cup of coffee later. Let's just have a little friendly debate. But it's not a simple disagreement or misunderstanding. All right, those things are gonna happen. That's not church hurt. What about... A difference of opinion. Again, that's not what we're talking about. What are some examples of church hurt? There are four main ones that you can jot down, but you have seen these. The number one example that I hear most often is an example of uh, usually folks that have been hurt by leadership in the church. It's by far the number one. A pastor hurt me. A deacon hurt me, someone in a leadership position, a director of blah, 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 hurt me. Someone with some organizational authority and sometimes within the pastoral sense, some measure of biblical spiritual authority 
That does exist. And unfortunately, sometimes pastors can be guilty of spiritual abuse, which I've talked to some people as I've prepared for this message and just kind of picked some brains here or there and like, hey, what do you, what do you think? What do you think? Just trying to get a, a, a little sample size of, of uh, questions answered. And I found out that a lot of people don't, don't realize that spiritual abuse is a thing. That's actually something, I mean, we know different examples of abuse that occur, unfortunately, yes, in the church. And while I know that many of our situations tonight may not fall into that severe category, maybe it does. And I'm still here to tell you that no matter how severe it has been, you can still find healing. And it may not be in these next two weeks that you're completely healed from that, but you can pursue healing. That's really what we're talking about. But spiritual abuse is when a pastor or a leader will use their, their organizational spiritual authority in a way that lessens your spirituality. You know what I mean? Like, like for example, um, you didn't do this, and so therefore you're less spiritual than me. Or the reason why you're struggling with X, Y, or Z is because your faith is not enough, or you don't have, uh, you know, you are not devoted to Christ enough, and that's why you're struggling in your finances and things like that. Or sometimes when someone will, uh, you know, other examples of toxic leadership include narcissistic behavior. Narcissism is where someone is, in, is just obsessed with themselves and self-platform. We have pastors, unfortunately, that start personality cults. They didn't plant a church, they planted a personality cult around them. And so there are all sorts of issues with toxic leadership. Usually there's little to no accountability for these pastors or leaders. They're the ones calling the shots. No one really holds them accountable. There's no one um, that would ever say to them, hey, I think you missed it there. Hey, actually, I don't think that's a good idea. And I want you to, and I'm not trying to make myself some kind of hero, but what I want you to know, just, just so we can address these things as some of you are new, some of you are still getting to know our church, um, we, we have structured our church plant. We just turned two last week. We celebrated hardcore. It was a great week and a great time celebrating our birthday. But we are structured in the following way. We are a Jesus-ruled, pastor-led congregationally affirmed church. But when we say pastor-led, we mean really pastors-led. We, we have a plurality set up. What that means is that there are multiple pastors at our church. We're ordaining three men in a couple weeks, but until that happened, until the training could take place, until we could uh, train in-house men of God who feel called, who are biblically qualified for pastoral leadership, who feel called to be a pastor, who have been trained up will be ordained. Until that time happens, we have had men from our sending church, which is Hope Church, just up the road, and there are a few pastors there that have been our in-place pastors. Because I knew when I was when we were going to seek out to plant this church that I need accountability in my life, and that I need men of God who who love me enough to tell me, "You don't need to do that. That's stupid," right? You gotta have people in your life that will look at, that are, that are not impressed with you, that, that just like, they don't mind telling you. And I have been told no many times in our meetings together. We're like, hey, I get, I get what you're saying there, Brandon. That's not wise, and here's why. And I've benefited from that so much. And so I want you to know that we're structured in a way that discourages this from ever happening because I will always have men of God around me uh, who, who will hold me accountable. Lest, lest I do something stupid, and I promise you, I'm fully capable of stupid things, fully capable of mistakes. No one's more convinced of that than this guy right here, okay? So 
Toxic leadership, let's keep it moving. How about ungodly people in the church? It's just some mean people sometimes. Is that limited to the church? No, we mean people everywhere. We live in a sinful, fallen, and broken world. But unfortunately, when, they, when it happens in the church, we think, rightly so, hey, if, I mean, if you call yourself a Christian, you claim to live for Jesus, you claim to have the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you, the fruit of the Spirit and all that, you shouldn't treat people that way. And that's right. But we've still got a bunch of broken, messed up people who need Jesus and who need a Savior and who lean on him daily. And so inevitably, we're gonna have some mean people in the church sometimes. And sometimes we can overlook that. Sometimes it's just a simple overlook. They're just being a grumpy pants and we just need to get over it. And other times we need to call out church bullies and not let them do that anymore. And again, in love, not in any negative way, but just in a, hey, I love you enough to tell you, you're kind of, you're kind of being a jerk, you know? Like, I don't think that's how you want to live your life, right? Well, no, I didn't even know I was being, I mean, a lot of times, I didn't even know I was being a jerk. I'm sorry, you know, and we can reconcile those things. How about ministry burnout? I mean, if you've experienced ministry burnout, you don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. You were serving in the church. It started out serving once a month, then you started serving every week, then you started serving 10 times a week and asked to do this, asked to do that, and before you know it, you feel overworked and underappreciated. And a, ch- and a healthy church thrives off of amazing volunteers. We have them here. We just added our 57th volunteer this week. We're a church of about 120, and we have 57 amazing volunteers that serve all the time. And we're so thankful for you, really. If you're on the edge of ministry burnout, please, please come and talk to me. I, like, we will, like, we, we will never be, as, as long as I'm leading the church as a lead pastor, we, we will not be in a place where if you need a break, you can't come up and say, hey, I just need a break for a little bit. And in fact, sometimes in my ministry, I've had to make people take breaks uh, that just love serving Jesus and love kids so much or love youth so much that they honestly need one and they don't know they need one. And so maybe you've been burnt out before. Maybe you're burnt out right now and you just need to exhale and that's okay. You jump into serving when you feel ready. But lastly, um, you know, this one's near and dear to my heart because bad theology really does hurt people. And maybe you just sat under some teaching that wasn't biblical for a season. Or maybe someone uh, held you accountable with a doctrine that wasn't biblical doctrine. It was their own doctrine. And this happens a lot in the church. This is called legalism. This is where we have additional rules to the word of God. Who were, the, who were the OG legalists in the Bible? They were called what? The Pharisees, the Sadducees. They were, they were taking their rules and elevating them to the status of the Old Testament and, and saying, hey, our pet peeves, our additional rules, they are on par with the word of God. And there are still expressions of Christianity that claim uh, to be Christian that still do that. And it's a shame and it hurts people. And so I know that your situation might be of a different category. We could spend an hour just naming all the different ways, but these are four big categories of church hurt and really what we're talking about. And here's the deal. Um, you know, we're not just gonna look at the scope of our hurt, but let's go to the, our second aspect tonight, the depth of our hurt. What happens when these things take place in our life? I can remember... Uh, walking into a ministry assignment before as a pastor on staff. And my, my number one focus that morning, showing up to church, was not to throw up. I was so anxious 
because that was such a painful season of ministry for me. I had discovered that within that particular church at that time, there had been some very hurtful things done to someone else. And I was a witness to these things. Wasn't involved with it, but was a witness. And I became very hurt myself. There was a wound there. And for a significant amount of time, I dealt with panic attacks. My stomach was literally torn to shreds. I had to get a upper endoscopy and all kinds of things. I had to learn how to manage panic attacks. I'd never had a panic attack in my life until this season of ministry, until this particular, not, not this one, but until the one I'm talking about. Thanks are uh, much, much better at Anchor. But, um, but, you know, I've had some seasons in my life where, I, where the anxiety, like, like it, it took it to a depth. And I'm sure some of you have been there. That hurt creates, I mean, like where you walk in the building and, and you just feel sick. Like you just feel like, oh, this is not good. I don't want to be here. Um, not only anxiety, but how about like guilt and shame, especially on the back end of legalism. Someone beats you up with either a Bible, maybe they quoted verses at you, probably out of context, but they beat you up with guilt and shame. They held you accountable, but in a very ungodly way. How about a loss of trust? Let's go there for a second. Church hurt creates a loss of trust with other people. What's the bedrock of a healthy relationship, friends? Trust. If you don't have trust, you got nothing. Like once you've lost trust, the relationship is dead in the water. Now, Jesus can raise the dead. Jesus can heal any relationship. But if there's no trust, man, you're sunk. We're all sunk if we lose the trust. How about the refusal to be vulnerable? I don't know what that other word was. Refusal to be vulnerable. Where we get to the place where, well, I tried being vulnerable. I tried being real. And look where it got me. I got burned. Someone was mean to me. I, I put my heart on display and someone squashed it. And now look where I am. So you, you know what? Forget it. I'm not ever being vulnerable again. And guys, that's dangerous. Man, if you, were, if you were there right now, I'm warning you as a friend, as a brother in Christ, like, like that is a dangerous place to stay. I understand that you're there right now, but we want to find healing in that because, um, I mean, there's no better example of someone who was vulnerable than Jesus Christ himself unto death on a cross. And when we get into territory where we refuse to be vulnerable out of fear of being hurt again, um, that wound needs to be dealt with and healed. And again, we're gonna talk about how to pursue the healing. But lastly, in the depth of our hurt, this is probably the most damaging effect of all. And it, and it is the damage to our own relationship with God. It's a soul wound. They get so deep, it actually distorts. Here's what happens in a lot of cases. A lot of, a lot of friends I've helped with church hurt and different church members over the years and people that even came and plugged in with Anchor and, and have come to our church and have found oasis and refuge here off the back end of another painful season of ministry. Here's what I found. Oftentimes it's distorted the, their very view of God. That's what happens. That's why people leave the church. They go, well, if that's, if that's how the church is, if that, then that must be how God is. If that's how God is, then... It's time to throw up the middle finger and just never come back. And so it damages our relationship with him, the most important relationship we could ever pursue. It distorts 
the image of God and it distorts us being made in his image. And you know, here's the truth, guys. Even if people who represent Jesus aren't always like him, here's, here's my first encouragement to you this evening. It doesn't change who he is. I'll say that one more time. Just because people who follow Jesus aren't always like him, it doesn't mean that Jesus has changed. It doesn't mean that God has changed. All right, so that's our first thing. Second thing is that God is not the source of your pain. It's not his fault. Did, did he allow it to happen? 100%. God either causes things or allows things to happen, 100%. And I know, I know it's painful sometimes to know that God allowed this painful thing to happen to me. I get that. I've, I've been there, okay? And I know we've all felt that way. But if you're a parent in the room, you know how this works. Your kids have thought the same thing about you. How could you, mom, how could you let this happen to me? Have you ever had your kid question you about that? Oh, I have. They fall down and get hurt. Well, dad, how could you let this happen? I mean, I've, I've heard it a bunch of times. And, um, but, I, but I was there to pick them up when they got hurt. And I, and I was there to help them after. And God, God is no different. So here's, here's a huge truth that I want you to write down tonight. Ready? Here it is. We have a God, this is, Great news, we have a God who knows what it means to be hurt. God is in the same boat. Many of us, if not all of us, have experienced church hurt and God has also been hurt by his chosen people. He's been there. This is in the word. I promise we're gonna get to the word, so here it is. All right, ready? In the Old Testament, the 43rd chapter of Isaiah, we'll pick it up in verse 22. But Jacob... This is his people. When he, when he says, but Jacob, he's not literally talking to a dude named Jacob. There was a dude named Jacob way back in Genesis, but when, when Isaiah says, but Jacob, he's talking about his chosen people, Israel, his holy nation, ready? But Jacob, you have not called on me because Israel, you have become weary of me. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with incense. You have, not, you have not brought me aromatic cane with silver or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. But here's what we're leaning to, ready? This is from God. But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. That's the product, the end result of sin. It is burden. It is pain. It is weariness. It's exhausting. Most painful, exhausting times in my life were the times in my life where I wasn't honoring God in those ways. I mean, that, that's what sin brings. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says, but also exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion. Not only God throughout the Old Testament, passages like this, but let's go to the New Testament example. Jesus himself experienced hurt from people who should have known better. Those Pharisees we talked about a minute ago, they were waiting on a savior. The Sadducees, the, the, the scribes, the, the hotshots of Israel that had, that had the Torah memorized. I mean, these, these guys knew the word of God. They should have known better. And they were the very ones shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And one in particular that Jesus spent a lot of time with, remember that guy's name? Judas. He was in a small group. It's a, pretty dad, it's a pretty bad day when a guy in your small group wants to kill you. And he dealt with that. Judas would steal money out of, out of the treasury. Judas 
was not legit. And he hurt Jesus. He betrayed him. But you know what's amazing about this is that Jesus was omniscient. That's a theological word that means he's all-knowing. He's fully God, fully man. But just wrap your head around this for a second. Jesus was fully omniscient, knew what he was going to do, and yet still chose to love him. Still chose to wash his feet, did he not? That's powerful. Man, I mean, I want to live like Jesus, but when I think about stuff like that, I'm like, ooh, but, ooh, but that part, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I do want to live like that, but man, I'm going to have to have some power outside of myself to do that, and so will you. But it's available. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 26, the last part of verse 45 says this. Look, look, look on the screen with me. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is, what's that word? Oh, oh, let's skip there. Tyson, I'll leave you in the dust, man. Did I not make a slide for that one? Okay, well, let's, let's pretend I did. All right, let's just listen here. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed. That's the word I wanted you to say. Everybody say betrayed. betrayed. All right, cool, thank you. Into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus knew it was coming, and yet he was still obedient. But here's where I wanna spend the most time this evening. It's the hope of our hurt. We talked about the scope of our hurt, the depth of our hurt. Well, now we're gonna get to the good news and it's the hope of our hurt because there is hope. No matter what has happened, there is hope in your situation. There is healing available and I can guarantee you that God wants you to walk down a path of healing. He doesn't leave us alone. He's never left you for a moment. It might've felt like it at some points, but he has not left you. He is with you and he wants you to heal no set of circumstances, friends, is beyond the hope of the gospel, amen? We must leave what's behind and focus on what's ahead. Let's look at Isaiah 43 again. This time we're gonna read several verses together. This is an amazing, amazing section of scripture. So, so many things here. Let's pick it up in verse 14. This is what the Lord, your, what's that word? Redeemer. So, so the, the, the context is, who God is, he is redeemer. That means he takes broken, messed up stuff and makes something beautiful out of it. He's the God who heals, who fixes our souls, our broken hearts. So I'm the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And this is what he says. Because of you, I will send an army to Babylon and bring all of them as fugitives. You know what God says? I love you enough to meet you in the middle of your mess and do something about it. Even the Chaldeans in the ships where they rejoice. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. This is what the Lord says, who makes a way in the sea. God did that, right? He split that sea wide open for his children. And a path through raging water, he's reminding him of what he's done. Your best indicator of hope in the midst of your hurt is what God has already done. And what is the Bible? It is a catalog full of his miracles, full of what he's already done. And his past performance is a future indicator of his future hope that is available to you and to me. Let's keep going. Who brings out the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty one together, they lie down, they do not rise again, they're extinguished, put out like a wick. But lean into, the, these are the two verses I really want us to lean into the most. Ready? Verse 18, do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to the things of old. Look, I'm about to do something new. Even now it's coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, 
I will make a what? A way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Who puts rivers in a desert? God does. Who takes broken, messed up hearts that have been through so much, so many tears, so much anxiety, loss of trust, all the things we talked about, the scope and depth of our hurt and who puts it all back together and mends our wounds? The Lord, our God, he does it. He's pointing it out for Israel. He reminds us. And, here, and here's what we learn through verses 18 and 19. I'm gonna move it on down and just focus on those verses. He says, he says, look, there's, there's this new thing coming. Don't focus on the past. And here's the purpose of the past. We're gonna put this on the screen so you can write it down. The purpose of the past is this. Purpose of the past is to do a couple of things, to, to teach us and grow us. That's what, and guys, when we start to see our pain and our hurt as an opportunity to learn, I hope that doesn't sound hokey. I hope that you can lean into the truth of that because it really can't, like, like, like when pain is your teacher, because guess what? Pain, pain is inevitable in, in this life. God allows us to go through pain. It's to teach us and it's to grow us. And we know this. I mean, so many scriptures speak to this. That's why James in chapter one, he writes, man, consider it pure joy when you encounter these trials of many kinds because it's gonna make you better. It's gonna pull you in closer to God. It doesn't mean that it's still painful. And I mean, it doesn't mean it's not painful. It doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't take anything away from what you have felt and what you've gone through, but it teaches you, it grows you. So the purpose of the past is to teach us and grow us, but the purpose of the future, let's write this down. The purpose of the future is to fill us with redemptive hope. We look to the past to learn, to grow. Through our trials and sufferings, they are temporary. They will be over. God can heal them. And we have the purpose of the future to fill us with redemptive hope. And that's what he's doing in Isaiah, this whole passage we just read. He says, look, what I'm about to do, do you, do you, do you see it? And I just wanna ask you that question, like what God wants to do next in your life through healing from these hurts, do you see it? Can you see that hope ahead of you? It's only found in him. It's not found in your situation. I'll say that one more time. The, the hope is found in him and in his character. It's not found in what you've gone through. The, what, what we've gone through is there to teach us and grow us, but the hope is found in him. So we look at Jesus that's why Hebrews 12 says to fix our eyes on Jesus, to cast off sin that would entangle us because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. The people I form for myself will declare my praise, says the Lord in Isaiah 43, 21. Here's another truth to lean into tonight, ready? We can't heal from our hurt alone. You can't do it alone. You weren't meant to do it alone. We heal in community. We help one another. And we wanna lean into that. That's why we have community groups. That's why we have a culture here of biblical community because we wanna be there for one another. And no matter what you've gone through, like nothing's off the table. Like, man, let's, let's have coffee and talk about it. It doesn't have to be with me. It could be with somebody else in the church that you trust, that you feel like would hear you out and direct you to God's word. Because those are the kind of friends we want, right? That would hear us completely, listen, like good listeners, and who would not be afraid to say, hey, I think, I think the word speaks to this. 
or just, hey, I'm gonna pray for you in that way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna journey with you. I don't, I don't have all the answers, and I don't even claim to have all the answers. I don't, I don't have all the answers for your situation, but I, but I know the word, and I can direct you to what God says, and I can uh, journey with you through it, and we can journey with each other together. Here's what Ephesians 4, 25 through 27 says. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each to his neighbor, because, and this is, this is a bombshell truth in scripture, ready? We are members of one another. So you think about church, you think about belonging to Jesus, we're members of the body of Christ, we're joined to him. Guys, we're joined to each other, we're part of that same body. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. And so that means that when church hurt happens, that's, that's why it's so painful because we're members of one another if we have covenanted with each other in that kind of way. And that's why we have covenant membership here. It's not sign a clipboard and pay your dues and you're a member at Anchor Church. Like you commit to a family. And it's painful to go through seasons of conflict with your family. We've all been there. Either in your childhood, Maybe those wounds uh, you know, are, are, are wounds that you've had to address and go through. Maybe some of those wounds are still there. But even now, with our, with our families, we, we are long-suffering with each other. We're patient with one another. That's why he says in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Is it a sin to be angry with somebody? No, but it, but it, is, a, it is a sinful thing to, to sin in that anger. It's when the anger morphs into uh, the rest of what we're gonna get into in a second. Uh, hold on to that. But don't let the sun go down in your anger. You know what this means? That we don't kick the can down the road. We don't, in the negative sense, just throw a Band-Aid on it and don't deal with the wound. But we're going to really talk about any issues that we have. Because you know what happens when we don't? It gives Satan an opportunity. Verse 27 gives him an opportunity to get right in the middle there and distort things. And what Satan loves to do, here's, here's like one of the top 10 satanic strategies for your soul and for my soul, ready? He wants you to be a victim and stay a victim. And guess what our culture loves doing these days? Loves to make a victim out of, out of someone goes, yeah, 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 you're a victim, but then you stay a victim. And then that victim mentality becomes your identity. Instead of your identity being in Christ, it's in being a victim. And then you're a lifelong victim. And so no matter where you go, you're, you're always a victim. And we, and we bring that hurt and pain in there. And we go, but I'm a victim, I'm a victim. And I've seen it happen. People go from church to church to church to church. And, and the common thing in their story in every part is they're always, they're always a victim. And I'm not here to beat anybody up about that. If that's, if that's your story, then that's your story. But what I'm trying to, I'm trying to expose the lies of the enemy. We're gonna shine light on it. And here's the truth. We've all been victims of hurt, but you don't have to stay a victim. You can be victorious in Jesus' name. Because what happened? Jesus died on a cross. He was shamed on our behalf. He, was, he died on a criminal's cross. He's a perfect man. Never did anything wrong. He said it was finished. He paid for our sin. He redeemed us. He died a real death. He was buried in a real tomb. But then what happened? The glorious resurrection. And that's what happens in our wounds. There's no wound that God cannot heal. With man, sure, it's impossible. Well, what are we seeing earlier? With God, anything's possible. There's nothing our God can't do. Have hope tonight, friends, that you can heal from this hurt. Verse 31, 
Let all bitterness, all that bitterness, guys, we gotta get it out. Bitterness. We gotta let go of the bitterness. The bitterness is only hurting you. It's not hurting them. It's doing nothing to them. It it will only destroy you. Bitterness. Anger, this sinful anger. And wrath. It's like an eruption of anger. Shouting and slander. You know what slander is? It's when we say stuff that's not true about somebody else. It's bearing false witness. It's one of the Ten Commandments. We ought not slander. And we'll throw gossip in there with that. Talking about the issue with everybody else but the person. Bringing a bunch of other people into it who aren't into it. Here's some wisdom for you. If you're going through something hard and you're experiencing church conflict and church hurt, you should talk with someone about it. You don't need to talk to everyone about it. And you don't need to talk to Facebook about it. Because who has ever posted something on Facebook and then the comment section, you know, 35 comments later, oh, okay, it's all solved now, you know, because a bunch of people, and all you've done is pull a bunch of other people into it that didn't, that ultimately probably just poked at a wound that they have and didn't really help anybody. You know, it sounds silly when we say it in here, but we do this stuff sometimes, all right? I haven't always dealt with hurt and pain in the most healthy ways either. Like we get, when these things happen, I mean, what do we, what do we get like? Kind of freak out, right? We're not the best versions of ourselves in those moments, right? And when we feel hurt, man, I feel defensive. Someone says I've done something I haven't, I don't feel like I've done or, or, or if I'm in the right, and I feel like they're in the, like I feel, I feel, I feel defensive, I have to really work at that. I think we all do. And so, again, we're members of one another. We live in genuine biblical community. We're always gonna risk betrayal and hurt. But here's where we're landing the plane tonight. Garrett's gonna come up and lead us in one last song. And here's, here's my closing encouragement for us. Ready? I want you to write this down. If you, if you snoozed out on me 10 minutes ago, come on back in. This, this is your invitation back in. Ready? I wanna invite us to pursue peace over payback. And next week, we're gonna talk all about what does pursuing peace look like. We're gonna get into really how to forgive people, how to really let go of that bitterness, what happens when we encounter church conflict. I'm gonna give you guys tons of tools and handles to hold on to to address some of the conflict. We're gonna get nitty gritty into the solutions. But tonight, I wanna invite you to this simple thing, pursue peace over payback. Romans 12 speaks this, guys. Let's read it together. Romans 12, 9. Love, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil and cling to what is good. We have a bad habit, friends, of sometimes fighting evil with the very thing we hate and we've been hurt by. We've seen it in our culture, haven't we? We hate and despise this And so we're going to do that very thing to the people that we we feel like have caused us pain. We've heard it before, hurt people hurt people. That's the principle that Paul is getting at in Romans. He says, no, 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 if we're gonna love, it needs to be consistent. If we say we're gonna love, then we need to do love. (laughs) We need to live it out. We need to not hate that person that hurt you, but we need to hate evil. And here's the truth tonight, guys. Whoever that is that hurts you, they're not the real enemy. They're not. Satan is the enemy. He's the jerk face. He's the one that capitalizes on 
our weaknesses and kicks you when you're down. He's the one that is the enemy. It's not that person. Whoever hurts you, they, they, they need your prayers. They need your prayers. They need grace and mercy just like we all do. We made the wrong person the enemy. Jesus says, pray for your enemies, in fact. And here's what verse 17 says in Romans 12. Just a couple more verses tonight. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought. Here's the objective, ready? No matter what's happened, here's the objective. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And man, it's so hard when you've been hurt, like to do what's honorable. I mean, come on. Can I get a witness? (laughs) To do what's honorable. We call it being the bigger person sometimes, but it's really not a bigger person. It's just glorifying God. Conflict and this messiness we're talking about, it is an opportunity to glorify God. And here's what 18 says, ready? Verse 18, Romans 12, 18, memorize this verse. If possible, if possible, sometimes it's not, but if possible, we're gonna believe it's possible. We're gonna believe there's hope. As far as it depends on who? You, that's me, that's you, all of us. As far as it depends on us, we're gonna live at peace with everyone. We gotta stop trying to fill the role of God in our hurt and pain. He's the judge, he's the savior, he's the healer. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pursue peace and not payback in a few different ways. Number one, we're gonna give grace. Grace is a gift that someone doesn't deserve. None of us deserve grace. None of us. And we give the gift of grace. You give grace, you get grace because others have given you grace. You you follow me? So we're gonna give grace. We're gonna show mercy. Now, how are grace and mercy different? Aren't those the same thing? Nope. Grace is a gift that they didn't earn, that you gave them, okay? Mercy is withholding what someone deserves. You should have this happen. I'm not going to do that. And this is what Christ has done for us on the cross. He's given us the gift of salvation. He has withheld his judgment that we rightly deserve because we've sinned and all fallen short of God's glorious standard of holiness. And so we give grace, we show mercy. And then next week, we're gonna spend the whole sermon on it. We practice, keyword practice, forgiveness. We forgive as we have been forgiven. And I'm gonna give you a little cliffhanger for next week. And I want this just to lead into a time of reflection maybe a time of repentance, a time of prayer for healing. We've heard in our lives a bunch that we should forgive and forget. And no one is asking you to do that this evening. Okay? Because when you, when you choose, forgiveness is a choice, not something that happens through osmosis or passively. It's something we have to choose to do. Okay? When we forgive, we, we don't forget, we remember. Not forgive and forget, but forgive and remember. Forgive and remember what God has done for you. If the gospel is not at the center of our forgiveness, if the very good news of Jesus, that Christ has died for us, he paid for our sin upon the cross because he loves us, because he wanted to save us, all of us, And then not only that, but he rose again in victory. 
He didn't stay dead. He came back to life to show us that we could have new spiritual life if we would turn from our sin and trust in him. And that's how forgiveness works as well. We forgive and remember what Jesus has done for us. And we let our forgiveness, our grace, our mercy, and our forgiveness, we let that mimic the gospel. So friends, we gotta let the gospel be the gospel. And God doesn't bring up our record of wrongs and put it back in our face again and again. That's the enemy, that's the accuser, that's what he does. God doesn't do that. It's as if, it's as if we've never done it. He casts our sin as far as east is from west. And so my question to you tonight, some of you know the answer to this. Who do you need to make the choice to forgive tonight? Who do you need to make the choice to forgive and remember what God has done for you and extend that same grace and mercy and forgiveness to them? Maybe, um, maybe your prayer tonight, maybe your response is just that God would truly heal the wound that has been there for a long time, maybe a past season and that you would just allow God to heal that. Because sometimes we, this is so, it's so weird sometimes because it doesn't make sense, right? But we, we allow our wounds to fester. Like we know the wounds there and we just don't deal with it. And we don't wanna stay hurt, but we, sometimes we just don't know what to do about it. But here's what we do about it. We bring it before the Lord. And you know what Jesus says? He says, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you need rest, come and find your rest in me. That's what he says in Matthew 11. Come all you who are weary, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, I will give you rest. Let God give you rest tonight. Here's what I wanna do. I want you to take this uh, Band-Aid out, out of the wrapper. Go ahead. I should've given you a heads up, but they're pretty easy to open. Get your neighbor to help you if you need the help. There's a Band-Aid near you somewhere. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna peel off the little plastic pieces. And I want this to just be a reminder. You don't have to wear it the whole week or anything like that, but just stick it on your hand right here. I just want you to have a tangible reminder of the fact that the very grace of God, the very mercy of God and Jesus' forgiveness for us through the gospel give us protection from things that would slow the healing process. Let God heal what he can heal. Can God heal? Amen. If you believe it, let him heal it. Extend the forgiveness. Father, we love you. We pray to you tonight. If anyone in this room needs your forgiveness and grace, God, maybe they've never asked for it. Maybe they would say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've broken your law and your commands and I deserve your judgment, but I wanna repent of my sins and receive your grace and mercy. God, if there's anyone that would say that tonight in their heart, I pray that they would pray a prayer of honesty before you tonight, Lord, just in their own words, and they would receive your grace tonight, that they would turn from their sin and they would trust in you, Lord Jesus, and they would follow you. I pray for the wounds that are here tonight, Lord, in our hearts and in our lives. And I pray that you would heal what has been broken. I pray that we would, just like with broken glass, Lord, we have to clean the area. We have to prepare the area for healing. We have to get rid of all those jagged pieces and clear it out so that when we put the new glass in there, when we put the, when, when Lord, when you fix this wound and you provide healing, that we're ready to receive it. So Lord, give us hearts that are ready to receive what you would do tonight 
as it relates to healing. God, I pray that you would continue to humble us. Lord, it's so easy when we're hurt to feel like we've got some kind of moral high ground, but Lord, we are all in need of your grace and mercy. Help us remember that tonight. May the gospel rule and reign in our lives and our hearts. May we express the gospel and may Christians once again be known for that. Be known not for hypocrisy, but for extending the gospel of mercy and grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you wanna hear more, be sure to click the subscribe button for more upcoming episodes from Anchor Church. Or visit us at www.anchorchurchcsra.com.